Good afternoon, everyone. It's already been a great day, and the first service was, was just excellent. And uh, it is, of course, Mother's Day. And so uh, we decided we were going to do something a little bit different today. So I would like to invite the two uh, most important women in my life to this platform. I'd like my mother and my sweetheart to come up here. And uh, I received this earlier this morning. <clears throat> can you can you zoom in on that? Can you get that? This is what it it's okay. I I just read it. Four out of five people get money in their birthday cards. Happy birthday number five. So, of course, there's no money in here. And, uh, but if you knew the people that gave me this card, they are great givers. My point is, you have to be a very secure pastor to uh, pastor this church with these kind of <clears throat> comedians surrounding you. <laughs> and you have to be a very, very secure person to have to be the son of this one and to be the husband of this one. These, uh, these are two pretty special ladies. And, uh, um, I, I, for years, I, I've talked to you about something called progressions. And, uh, there are places in the Bible that, um, it started out with me verses, you know, one verse leads you to another, leads you to another, and they create this chain and this theme through the word. And then I realized it wasn't just scriptures. It was, there were places in the Bible where the sequence was very, very important. For instance, um, Jesus told three parables, just one right after the other. The first one was um, known as uh, the lost sheep. And, you know, you leave the 99 safe in the barn and you go looking for the one. Find that lost sheep, put him on his shoulder, came back rejoicing. Immediately after that, he told another parable about what was known as the lost coin. And uh, this, this, these coins, I don't have time to explain all the culture behind it, but th these coins were very, very, very important to this woman. And she lost one in the house. And so she just went through the house looking desperately to find the coin she lost in the house. And then the third one is the lost son, the prodigal son. He left, came back. I, I realized one day he could be talking about the same person. That it wasn't three separate parables. But it was literally one lesson about the three seasons that this person went through in their life. For instance, in pastoring, I've seen 
somebody that was lost. You know, Satan is the antithesis of Jesus Christ. Whatever Jesus is, Satan is the opposite. So Jesus said, I'm the life. So Satan is death. And he said, I'm the truth. So he's the father of lies. But then he said, I'm the way. And so the absence of direction is where we get this word lost. And so I've seen people that were lost and the Lord found them. And they ended up in the safety and security of the church body. Then with time, their love grew cold. And they don't, people don't just quit going to church. They get lost in the house. They, they lose out with God literally in, in, in church. And then they leave. And then they're the prodigal. And um, the Bible said he came to himself. And uh, that's what has to happen when someone has had a valid experience with the Lord. You can talk and talk and talk to people that walked with the Lord and walked away. Good luck. They have to come to themselves. And then there are those that come back. And so Renee and I were talking about this and she told me something fascinating because every morning, every morning, Monday through Friday, she has a group of faithful women that pray. And many are in this church and there are quite a few outside of this church. But, um, and there are others of you I know that spell her and, and take her place. But most of the time, I, she's studying every morning and getting something good and she shares it with us. And she told me something that she came across from the wisdom books in the Old Testament. And it's a sequence. And I want her to, to talk to us about that and what she found. Well, for years I've been, oops. I was in drama. I never had to use the mic ever in my life. <laughs> I've got my Grandma Cook's voice, which projects quite, quite well. I remember when uh, Dad was living with us, he'd always say, uh, Renee, you don't have to yell. I can hear you just fine. <laughs> um, so for years, I've been studying on wisdom and understanding and uh, trying to, sometimes the Bible goes back and forth with it, but the difference, why does it say understanding and wisdom? And so um, I've been doing a study for, I've got so many notes on wisdom and understanding, scripture after scripture after scripture. Well, one morning I was studying it again. I came across it and uh, studying Proverbs. And um, I actually was preparing for uh, this life group that we're teaching. Um, And I came across this podcast that explained the books of wisdom. And they're Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, Song of Solomon. And they concentrated mostly on uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And so when I began to listen to that podcast, it, my understanding, okay, there's wisdom and understanding, was so enlightened. I just had an aha moment. And um, I had 
been preparing for the SHE conference, our ladies' conference, and this thought came to me about uh, lady wisdom. I call it lady wisdom. And I prepared this little lesson on lady wisdom. And the first one is Proverbs. And because I'm doing a woman's perspective, I know it's a, it's a father talking to his son, but it's also about a mother talking to her son. You get in Proverbs 31, and it talks about that virtuous woman. So Proverbs is these parents talking to their son, saying, pursue wisdom. With all your understanding, get wisdom. Understand the fear of the Lord. And so Proverbs is, for me, in my life, as a young woman, trying to figure out life trying to figure out what is right and what is wrong. Sometimes my elders would lead me in that direction. Sometimes I found it from the word of God. Sometimes um, it was from being in a church service. But just seeking after and wanting to understand the rules. What's best for my life? And then comes Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is, and Pastor will talk about it, Next, but Ecclesiastic is that cynic that said, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything's been done that can be done. I've done, I've lived it all. It's that middle-aged person that has lived life out, has lived the Proverbs out, has had experience under their belt, has experienced the highs and the lows of life, and grasp maybe come to the place where they've tried to grasp uh, wealth or success or uh, had disappointments with their children or their grandchildren, had ups and downs in life, right? It's that person that's lived out the Proverbs, (laughs) lived out those wisdom moments, had tests and trials. And then there's Job. And Job is... The wisdom book about suffering, about it's the old person that has had wrinkles and scars and bruises, um, has battle scars, an old warrior. And they've been through the trials and the tests and the tribulations and come out as gold. Right? Thank you, Lord. And I just began to think about um, Esther, my mother-in-law, in my life. And as a young person, um, I wanted to be a special ed teacher. I wanted to be a missionary. I, um, I, I tutored um, in special ed in um, junior high and high school. And then I instead decided to marry Harold. <laughs> Very young, I might add. Yeah. I was 17 when I got engaged and 18 when I married. Pretty young. I don't recommend that to uh, now. <laughs> but I had seen a few things in life. I had, I had uh, been quite independent. Uh, I graduated from high school at 16. 
my mom and dad traveled a lot, so I was responsible a lot for my uh, younger siblings. So I was, I guess I was older for my age. I don't know. I don't have perspective of that looking back. Uh, but anyway, I, I married at a young age, and off we went. And uh, the first six months, we evangelized. Then we uh, went to Okinawa, and I was praying that the missionary bug would get him, but it didn't. <laughs> he told me, I'm not, I'm not called to be a missionary. So I knew it when, right up front when we married. Um, always pursuing life and pursuing what, what it meant to even be a minister's wife or a pastor's wife because it's not something that I desired to be. I wanted to be just a normal person. I wanted to, unless I was a missionary, which God didn't choose to make me a missionary. Uh, my other goal in life was to be a, a special ed teacher. And um, we, we bounced around and traveled uh, until I had Brittany, and we ended up in Atlanta, Georgia. I think I was maybe 25, 26, and uh, we were there a couple years and then moved to Michigan. And um, again, just trying to find myself, trying to find the rules. I can remember one time with Esther's, uh, we were sitting at a, we were standing at a sink washing and drying dishes, and I said to her, you know, Esther, I think I could have a special needs child. And she's like, oh, Renee, don't say that. You don't know what you're asking. And at the time, I didn't. I had all the knowledge here. I had the, the memorization of what it took, the book knowledge, but I didn't have understanding. I didn't have experience, right? I had I had tutored, but I had never had that responsibility of a special needs child ever. And, um, and now I have my Ashley. She's special to me. She's a very special girl in my life, brings us a lot of joy. And I had no idea what I was asking when I asked that. No idea, but I believe it was a gift of God and that God trained me why did I have that interest all the way back there when I was a young teenager? I mean, junior high and high school, I tutored um, special, special ed. Why did I have such an interest? God was preparing me for something. Just like my desire to be a missionary, God knew what kind of church we were going to have and that I was going to meet all kinds of people and have the privilege of, of learning all kinds of cultures. God was preparing me. And I feel like in these stages of life, it's like when we came to uh, Michigan, and I needed that spiritual guidance in my life. Mom and dad were very busy, and so I didn't have that close elder in my life that I needed to grow me into the position that I needed to, to be in. And so Esther and Harry came and, and lived with us for I think it was about five years. And during that time, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of what I should do and what I shouldn't do. <laughs> but I remember one specific time, and I, I wasn't a woman of faith, like for miracles or anything out there. I had very practical parents, and we just didn't, you didn't necessarily, there were big moments of faith in our, in our household, but not the degree that Harry and Esther lived. And so I'll never forget one day, uh, Harold had been sick with, um, 
I don't know, something in his lungs for months. He would literally come to the church and preach and come, go home and go straight to bed. He was so sick. And one evening, it just came to a head. And I literally thought he was going to die. And I asked, please, let's, let's call the emergency uh, room. He was talking out of his head. He wasn't coherent. He was burning up fever. And um, they said, no, we're going to trust God. I said, fine. I'm going to bed. <laughs> and it's on you. If he dies, it's on you. <laughs> well, Harry and Esther stayed up all night and prayed for Harry while I slept. And the next morning, he was healed. I learned something that night. I acquired wisdom and and understanding, not just a knowledge of the word that he's our healer, but an understanding that he really is our healer. And these are the kind of lessons that that God gives you such a richness. And so is it any wonder that now at this stage of life that I'm in, I feel like I'm kind of like in the Ecclesiastes stage, you know. I've been around. I've, I've experienced life. I have some understanding of, of what life is and what it's all about. And now I have the privilege of serving my mother-in-law and having her in my home. Um, so that I can give back what she has given me. And, we, and she's still giving. There's a scripture that in, in uh, Proverbs that talks about a virtuous woman stretches herself. She stretches forth her hand. And you know, we as mothers and grandmothers and women, we are always stretching, aren't we? Stretching to serve. Even if you're not a mother or a grandmother, if you're a woman, it seems like we're in that position of stretching, nurturing, serving others. And um, we serve our husbands. We serve our family. We serve others. We're always bringing people into the household and, and looking after others. And this is how I feel about my mother-in-law, Esther, she still irons my husband's shirts. Here she is, 87. I don't do shirts. <laughs> Harold's going to have to have uh, cleaner shirts after this. <laughs> uh, when we evangelized, I had to iron 21 shirts a week because uh, we were in service so much. Uh, we evangelized, you know, you were in church from Tuesday to Sunday. And so two shirt, two, three shirts a day almost, yeah, that he would wear. And so I hated ironing. I said, I'll never iron again. <laughs> when we got off the evangelistic field, thank God he doesn't wear iron shirts every day. <laughs> she still irons his shirts. She still bakes for us and cooks for us. She cleans her own house. She is still stretching. She is still praying. She is still pursuing life. Um... There's a great thing I want to share with you, and uh, let me let me find it. It's called this. Eric Erickson uh, created this theory. Um, he was a psychologist. 
And he created this theory, uh, and there's eight stages of life. And the last stage is called integrity versus despair. And I want to read it to you. The final psycholog- uh, psychosocial stage occurs during old age and is, is focused on reflecting back on life. At this point in development, people look back on the events of their lives and determine if they are happy with the life that they have lived or if they regret the things they did or didn't do. Let me find the rest. My notes are all a mess. This is why I don't use notes. (laughs) Older adults need to look back on life and feel a sense of fulfillment. Success at this stage leads to feelings of wisdom, while failure results in regret, bitterness, and despair. Those who feel proud of their accomplishments will feel a sense of integrity. Successfully completing this phase means looking back with few regrets and a general feeling of satisfaction. These individuals will attain wisdom even when confronting death. Now, after he died, his wife uh, created a a ninth stage, and she worked closely with him, and this is what it's called, involvement versus resignation. Involvement refers to choosing one's own way in old age and continue to explore opportunities for personal growth while accepting the changes that come along with aging. Resignation, in turn, is the idea that there's no point in pursuing growth and enrichment opportunities. Those who successfully navigate this stage acquire courage and continue to maintain an ethical involvement in the world. And I feel like this is a great picture of uh, my mother-in-law, Esther. And when I look at my future, and if I'm trying as in this Ecclesiastes stage of my life, this middle-aged stage, going into uh, the next phase and next um, portion of my life, when I look back, I might have a few regrets I might say, oh, man, I wish I would have done this different or I wish I would have done that different. But today we have a choice of becoming involved in life and saying, yes, I might have made a few mistakes in the past or I might have had some failures. I might have had some successes. I'm proud of what I've accomplished. But what am I going to do? What does my future look like? And if we try to grasp onto life and hold it like this, Selfish. I'm just going to get mine and feed. Now it's my turn. Now it's my turn to, um, to have. I'm going to hold on to my wealth. I'm going to hold on to my children. These are mine. But if you release them and you, and you release your wealth and your, and your money and, your, and yourself, give of yourself, and invest in the kingdom, invest in others, your life will be so much more rich. It isn't just about having children and being a, and a, a wife or a mother or a grandmother. It's about investing in others, investing in the kingdom, following after lady wisdom, 
And if you do, you can sing the Song of Solomon. And that's the other book of wisdom. And I feel like that's the bride and the groom coming together. A love story, searching after one another, wanting that love, wanting that fulfillment. It's a song of joy. It's a very poetic, poetic uh, chap, uh, book. I love reading it. And that's what the Lord is saying. He is our groom, and he's calling us today, saying, come and dine, choose wisdom. I feel like Lady Wisdom is like this, uh, this person with a balance scale, and there's uh, uh, wisdom on one side and foolishness on the other. And it says a foolish woman will tear down her house with her own hands. But if we choose wisdom, if we choose life, Choose to be involved. Choose to have integrity. Look how fulfilled our life could be. And then if I chose, if I follow after my mother-in-law, if I follow Lady Wisdom, look what life I have to look forward to. I was... uh at the grocery store this week trying to get some milk and uh, I never buy the milk on the front I always push it aside and I grab the gallon in the back because I know I can probably get a couple more days you know because if you look at that milk that's on the front sell this milk by April the 30th but if you get the stuff in the back it'll say sell it by May the 2nd you know so always reaching in the back Wouldn't it be something if we had an expiration date on us somewhere when we were born? This is, you're going to go sour. You're going to go south. You're going to die on this day. I'd say we can't choose when we die. I guess there are people that choose to end their life. And it's very, very, very depressing. Um, But for the great balance of us, we cannot choose when we'll die. But we can choose our epitaph. We can choose how are we going to be remembered? What what, what do you want to be remembered by? Because when you go to the graveyard, every, every tombstone in the graveyard has one thing in common. That little hyphen, that little mark between, here's the year they were born, here's the year they died, but they got that little mark in there. What you do with that little hyphen is very, very, very important. How do you want to be remembered? You, you can't choose when you die, but you can choose. When, when Daddy was buried at, they buried him at Great Lakes National Cemetery in Holly. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's the Michigan equivalent of Arlington. It's beautiful. Just acre after acre of these symmetrical rows of white stones. It's really very, very impressive. They called me two days after Daddy was buried and said, what do you want on your father's tombstone? I didn't have to think. I didn't even confer with my mom or anybody else. I said, I want three words, called, chosen, faithful. I, I didn't have to think. I knew this was my dad. This was, this is just who he was. And, um, 
with what Renee is saying here, he, I, when you read Ecclesiastes, it's, I believe it's in the very first verse of Ecclesiastes, Solomon refers to himself as the preacher. <laughs> but you're not going to read many other verses in that first chapter. And he said, it's all vanity. It's all vexation of the spirit. It's just, it's just same foolishness, just another day. It's just repetitious. There's nothing new under the sun. And, I, and for years, you know, I just took that scripture at face value. And, and I would repeat that in preaching and teaching. There's nothing new under the sun. And I've heard a lot of people say that. And it was like, this is, this is the moanings and complainings of a, a middle-aged, it's what I, I've, I've referred to it as a sermon from a backslid preacher. Because Solomon's life was a disaster. It was a disaster. It was just a disaster. He had all these women and it was just crazy the way he lived. And he just got to the point, well, eh, there's nothing new. But when you study the word, Jesus hadn't even showed up yet. Jesus is our king. You know, I, uh, so there was a new king that was coming. And there was an Old Testament and there's a, there's a New Testament. There's an Old Covenant. There's a New Covenant. If you obey the new covenant. The, the Bible talks about a new birth. <laughs> Paul one time talked about a new man that would be created inside of us. Uh, Hebrews talks about a new and living way. Um, you serve him and you get to go to the new Jerusalem. And it said after that, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. So to get to that season in your life, to be in, in your middle age and just become so cynical and say, it's nothing fresh out there. There's nothing new. You don't want to live that way. There's lots of new stuff. There's lots of things to be investigated. In the first service here, we had this wonderful, it's not a young man anymore, Chad Brown. Years ago, Yvonne came to this church and Yvonne had this young man, Chad Brown. And he was handsome and he knew it. And, uh, and he, he, he just... He was a real stinker. He really was. He just uh, got in a lot of orneriness and foolishness. But he showed up the first service this morning. And I said, what are you doing here? Because I know he lives a long way from here. And I said, what are you doing here? He said, I decided on Mother's Day I was going to come back to my mother's church. And, and I, I, I said, man, you, you look, he was dressed so nice and has his own business and and I, I started talking to him. How old are you? I'm 44. <laughs> I was like, wow. It just, I just remembered him as this young man. And, and, and he said, I'm, I'm about to get another degree, Pastor Hoffman. And I, I, at 44, he said, yes. He said, you know why? I, I still go to school. And I said, no. He said, because of you. Because of you. I said, what? He said, I know, Brother Hoffman, I did some really stupid things when I was young. But he said, I always listened to you. And he said, every time I came here to church, you would just take me on a journey. He said, I had no idea where you were going. But I would listen. I said, you somehow brought it all back together in the end. And I'd go, when I grow up, I want to do that. And he said, you, you created inside of me a hunger for, for knowledge. And he said, I'm never going to quit going to school. 
I'm never going to quit learning. <laughs> and it was like, I said, why don't you and I make a covenant today that we're going to live until we die? And he goes, yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And it was just so refreshing to see that. And I, I, I've lived with this. I, I, <laughs> I found this verse that, you know, Deuteronomy is the last, it's the last sermon of, of Moses. And this is what it says. So choose life in order that you may live by loving God, by obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for this is your life and this is your length of days. <laughs> it's just, when you think of ball games, football, you got a first half, second half, the game is always won or lost in the second half. And it's just, there are people in this room right now, you've achieved a modicum of success. You may not think you have, but as your pastor, I, I'm, I look at you and I consider you to be successful. Now, you've got to live the second half of your life. And you've got to learn to, to translate success into significance. You, you, you've achieved some things in that first part of your life. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Are you, are you going to be this guy that tears down your barns to build bigger barns? Or can you do what my sweetheart is talking about here? What are you going to do in the, in the second half of your life? What are you going to do with the second part? Because your second half might start when you're 70. <laughs> it might start when you're 80. When are you going to understand that my purpose is not just to be successful, but my purpose is to be significant yeah. and to make an impact in somebody else's life. Yeah. This, is, this is our first Mother's Day without my father. I sneaked down into her house. She told me a couple weeks ago, Harold, I think we have a mouse. I said, really? She said, yes, I, I bake things. I put them on the counter. I go to bed. When I get up in the morning, stuff's gone. <laughs> Daddy, some of you know this. They would come and say, Brother Harry, I left my umbrella here seven months ago. Um, have you seen it? And he'll go, I'll, I'll, look, I'll look around. <laughs> Well, it ended up in the dumpster. I just tell you right now, that's my dad has this thing. He didn't want clutter and junk in the church. And, and so he would, he'd give you a while, but if you didn't come and get it, it ended up in the dumpster. And, uh, I would tell my mother, well, then I'll, I'll look for that mouse. And, uh, I'm the mouse. Okay. She goes to bed. I sneak down and know, you know. Renee's on this get skinny kick and I'm trying, I'm trying, but I'm not a complete convert yet. I, I've, I've made partial commitment, but I backslide occasionally on a regular basis. And because I always, I can smell it. There's no door. I can smell the stuff that she's baking and it's coming up through the deal, you know, through the, through the staircase. And it's like, oh and I'll wait. And so a lot of times I'll sneak down, all the lights are off and I know 
I just feel around. There's the count. There's the cookie. There's. I did it last night. I didn't eat any last night, but I did open the fridge because I knew she had a pie. I could smell it. And, uh, but there are times when I'll go down the stairs trying to smuggle a cookie or something. And I hear this praying. And she's laying on the floor with her Bible, pouring out her heart to the Lord. And I guess that's that's what I've just seen out of my mom. She never gave up. She just always kept pushing, always. And I want you to know that I love you. And I want to, you're special stuff, sweetie pie. And uh, I know you got something. I want you to read the words to this song. I wanted her to sing it today, but her... I don't want to put her in a position where she'd be embarrassed. Her voice is a little bit strained. So read the words to that song to us. Before I read the words to this song, I want to tell you, I did tell him we had a a rat with two legs. That's what I told him. Not a mouse, a rat. It wasn't a... A rat. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Whatever. This is a great, it's a great song, and I intended to sing it. And Sister Liz, she's here somewhere. She was so sweet to come over to my house. And we practiced, but <clears throat> my voice was gone. I had two weeks of whatever. And so Mary, Renee said, you've got to read the words. It's so where we are right now, so... That's the background of this song. It's called You Hold a Miracle. David Engel wrote this. Um, It said, Jesus made wine from water when they obeyed his command. And this was the beginning of miracles from things that they held in their hands. It's in your hands you hold a miracle. Though not much to you, turn it to him. And he'll take what you give to him and make it what you want to be, a miracle. It's in your hands. Jesus did miracles to meet human needs, also that men might believe. And almost always he used common men who held in their hands common things. Now you're the one to set in motion the miracle that you desire. Open your eyes, look in your hands. You have it, you hold the power. It's in our hands. We hold the miracle, though not much to us, but if we'll turn it to him, and he'll take what we give to him and make it what we want it to be. A miracle, it's in our hands. And I think this really applies to First Church right now. We have already uh, witnessed miracles with the offering was just unreal. And I don't know where we are in the end of time. I think we are much closer than we might think. But I think First Church is on time. I really think we're feeling it, and we're going to do what we can do for God. Uh, My husband would always say, uh, 
for all, so many days, he would say, we had a, a daughter, she was seven and a half, and God took her. And he would say, God took our little girl, but he gave us a great son. And he was so proud of that, so thankful, saying, God always gives. He might take some things from us, but he always gives more than he takes. He's faithful. He's faithful. And I'll say one more thing. I, when I was thinking about all this, uh, I began to think, today's Mother's Day, which is a great time to honor our mothers, but I thought the church is our mother. That's what the Bible teaches us. How much more should we honor this place, honor God when we come in here? This is a special place. It was dedicated to God, and I just hope that we're getting the feeling. Brother Draylon is so energetic, and God help us just to get with the Spirit and see what God wants to do. I, I, don't, I think it will just amaze us, amaze us again what God's going to do amongst us. And I thank God for the opportunity just to serve him. When I first came here, and I read this, I know, a lot of times in the Bible. The pastor said, God counted Abraham's faithfulness as righteousness. And I thought, I couldn't believe that. When I heard that, I thought that, never thought of it. That for years and years and years, we served God with all our heart. We just gave, we loved it. We just loved everything we did. Just did it with all our heart. And then to come here and to think, God was counting in his righteousness, and I thought I was just working and doing this. But if you'll be faithful and faithful to God, consistent, there's no telling what will happen to you, your family. This is time to really get a hold of things. We have families that need our help desperately. And so if we bind together, God is going to give a great increase. I believe that we're going to have great revival. Jesus. I've been blessed with so many amazing people in my life. And uh, I've met pastors and preachers along the way. They talk about the day they were called to preach. And for years I've said, uh, I never had that experience. <laughs> I never could look and point to a day when I was called to preach. And I was here at the church this week alone. And, and I thought about that. And I, I asked the Lord, why, why didn't I ever have a day when I was called to preach and it was just like this light that went on inside of me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you were always called, Harold. You were called from the beginning. You never needed a day. You knew ever since you were a kid, you were going to do this. And I did. I, I, I always knew something was special. I had no idea it was tied to my mother and my father. I have an amazing friend that watches this faithful Edwin. <laughs> you remember this, Edwin? I looked across the field so wide and all that I could see 
We're stem and stalk of days gone by where colors used to be. <laughs> my amazing friend, Edwin Harper, who talked to me this past week about my mom and about Vicki. And I said, Brother Harper, how did you ever know about my sister? And he said, years ago, Harold, my wife, Sharon, invited your mom to speak to our ladies group. And she told that heartrending story about your sister. And then she talked about you. And he said, did you ever realize, Harold? Yeah, the Lord took your sister, but gave your mom and dad you. And that's why God's honored your life. And that's why you've done and been able to go so many places. Because the faithfulness of your mom and dad. I say, hillbilly kid, nobody from nowhere, still am. But I look at what I've been blessed to enjoy and what I've been blessed to see, all because of faithful people that have preceded me. On this day, Mother's Day, we've got so much to be grateful for. Saw all these precious children here a moment ago. I just laughed. I don't know what it is about a microphone with kids, but it's like uh, there's always going to be one in that choir, and we had one today, and uh, and he won't be the last. And uh, uh, <laughs> I just get such a kick out of seeing all that because you get your strength in a church from your elders, but you get your life from your young people. And it's just so on this day, Amen. I want you to stand with me. Stand with me. If you're blessed to have a living mom in your life and you can get with her today somehow, whatever you have to do, you get with her. Don't just call her. And for goodness sakes, all of you millennials, you get your carcass to the drugstore and buy a card. Do not send your mom a text, okay? Get her a real card. Don't be a cheapskate bum and send her a text. Get her a card, all right? It's just a thing, I know, but uh, whatever. As you go today, I know many of you have dinners, and you're all going to spend some time together as a family, as you rightly should. We're just fortunate people. We're just fortunate people. God's been so good to us. Oh, God. Praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus. We're so grateful, God, for what you've done for us. So grateful, God, for everything that you've done. Jesus' name. I would have liked to have. We had this precious lady here. I used to call her Huge. And her name was Get, And, uh. She died during this pandemic and I wasn't able to go to be at her funeral. Just whatever. I miss her today. I miss her today. Amen. Go home. Be with your mom. Be with your grandmother. It's just like a man. Just because you have the plumbing to have children doesn't mean you deserve the honor of being called a dad or a granddad. Just because just you give birth doesn't mean you're a, a, a mother. You know, it's just... But there are women in this room that you really are grand and you really are great. 
Amen. And these children were grateful for all of that. Bow your head with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. I'm grateful to be alive. Grateful, God, to be sucking in this air. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the strength to stand and the ability to reason and logic. Father, we're grateful for this church, precious people that are watching this thing through this medium. I ask you, Lord, that the message of this day will resonate, not just with the people in this room, but with the people that will ultimately hear this presentation. Just common men and women, that's all we are. But we've lived, we've lived, and we've learned, and we've got some testimonies because we passed the test. Now I'm asking you, Lord, to encourage the young people, amen, to, 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 to walk with wise men and to walk with wise women. Don't despise that gray hair. Don't despise those wrinkles, but to embrace that thing and to take the life lessons that have been just branded and, and scarred in those, the spirits of those, those elders, Lord, to be able to absorb those things and those lessons. Dear Jesus, please don't let all these young people learn everything by their own personal experience. Tuition for that kind of education is way too high. But you said if we'll walk with wise people, we'll be wiser. And a companion of fools will be destroyed. If by chance, Lord, someone in this room, someone watching, has just come to a cynical part of their life and just believe, oh, well, why, what's the use? Why, why even try? If I'm talking to an elder here, either in this room or by watching, who believe, Lord, that their life is over and all that's left on their horizon is a, is a, is a, is a funeral, I'm asking you, Lord, to help them understand that there is a significance that they still possess if they're willing to share it and go the second mile and do, to, to invest and invest into other people. I thank you, Lord, for that spirit that lives in this church. I thank you, Lord, that this place is not filled with a bunch of grumpy old men and sour old women, but people that are loved to serve and people that see the, the value of investing their lives in others. God, it gives us a reason to live. And when that day does come, I want to be able to look back having written my epitaph, some 30, some 60, but we're going to live a hundredfold life. In Jesus' name we pray and call it done. Amen. 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 Now these people gone to do something here. If your mom's here, take her into that room, just out to the door to the, to the left there. And they've, they've got all these flowers and uh, she can create her own bouquet. And then there's a living wall there. Take a picture with your mom. Take a picture with your grandma. Get them together. Amen. It's a wonderful backdrop. Makes a great memory. Go and have a good dinner together. Enjoy the day. I'll see you tomorrow night in prayer. I love you. God bless every one of you. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you. God bless you.